0: HVAC 360, episode number 67, Lessons Learned, Electrical Coordination. Hey, welcome back to another episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. This week, we're going to be talking about some electrical lessons learned, Um, some things that I've learned in the field, and I just want to be able to share those with you. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you might be like, well, why electrical lessons learned? Isn't this an HVAC 360, not electrical 360? Well... Okay, just relax. Um, Basically, what I want to be able to do is is there are some things that happen in the electrical world that, you know, relate, either relate to mechanical, or you can use it as a kind of a cross training platform where you can kind of identify things that are happening wrong in one discipline, uh, and being able to Um, and it's not even wrong you know i mean i i guess that's a a misconception it's not wrong it's just poorly coordinated it doesn't go as smoothly as it possibly could and that's kind of what i'm here to you know to kind of identify that for you and kind of flag it and maybe you can use it and bring it into hvac and because there's a lot of different things that um are commonalities in what i'm going to be talking about and things that go on in hvac so but first before i hit that Let's go into, thank our sponsor again, uh, it is the Building Commissioning Association. I am so happy to have the building, assist- building Commissioning Association sponsoring HVAC 360. If you're involved in the commissioning aspect of uh, the built environment at all, I, the BCXA, they're the really the you know where it's at so if you want to get networking you want to get training uh you want to do conferences you know this is the first stop shop um you know i'd encourage anybody who's who is being um that is their livelihood being a commissioning authority go to the bca bca's website at bcxa.org sign up as a member Have your company join. Uh, One of the things that's coming up as far as training, their spring webinar series is winding down, but you still have one more chance to be able to uh – be able to kind of access that information and that's uh, June 19th uh, 2013 is uh, going to be the commissioning of grounding systems for mission critical facilities again these are kind of some of those facilities where' you know we're talking electrical here um, y- you really can't get wrong because if it goes wrong then it, it's it's really bad for everybody um, you know it's it's one of those things where they trust professionals uh, like professional designers professional contractors and professional commissioners missioning authorities to be able to identify and make sure that all the building systems are working correctly in the first place. So if that's something that you do as a matter of uh, daily practice, check it out. Or again, you know, if it, even if it isn't and it's something of interest, go ahead and just kind of, you know, sign up for the course and, and learn from that because there's a lot of things that you can apply uh, in different ways to what you do, even if you're not dealing with mission critical facilities all the time. There's always some good lessons to learn. All right, so let's get on to our show. All right, basically, I again, I want to be able to uh, raise the awareness. You know, this this is not really always kind of uh, tales with happy endings, shall we? Shall we say? Uh, because some of them don't get resolved, some of them are kind of poorly resolved. But I, I, j- I just want to be able to identify and share at least some things that I've seen uh, with the rest of you, my listening audience. Um, And I want to, you know, hopefully you're going to be able to gain something from that. So I'm going to start off by talking uh, about, um, you know, let me take one more step back and make one more point. A lot of these issues fall down to uh, missed coordination. Uh, And they really, once that happens and it's something that has to take place but didn't take place, it's a matter of, okay, who pays for it? Uh, and typically you don 't find these uh you know it 's really the commissioning authority 's job to be able to find these in the design phase, but sometimes you don 't you know find them until the construction phase, and at that point you know it 's contractor to contractor looking at each other going all right who who 's going to pay for this uh, and it tends to escalate and get heated rather quickly because really you know somebody 's going to get screamed at somebody 's going to get yelled at, somebody 's going to have a bad day because it 's going to come out of somebody 's paycheck. Uh, one way or the other it's when you're an engineer you get kind of Isolated and insulated uh, from these type of types of feelings and these types of discussions, but they go on all the time because you know cash is king in the contracting world, uh, and you know nothing gets done without a dollar dollar sign associated with it. So that's something that's really hypercritical that 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 doesn't get you know passed by quickly or easily. Um, that uh, you know, really, as an engineer, you should know uh, and be aware of. And as a contractor, you're like, yep. Absolutely, you know, I can't even, you know, uh, you know without a, I can't even do anything without a change order uh, uh, being signed. So but let's go into the first lesson learned that I want to share. It's about exterior lighting coordination, and this is exactly what I mean by um, it's a coordination, and you have two contractors looking at each other going, okay, exactly who's going to pay for this? Um, because it, was, it, was, it didn't work out in scheduling, and I guess let me start by explaining the situation. So the electrical engineer had drawn uh, exterior lighting in some overhead soffits. These are, you know, soffits that kind of you know uh, extend past the exterior wall of the building that, that face down, so you can you know do some nice lighting around the uh, the exterior of the building. So, but they're they're can lights. They they point down and uh, they're installed in soffits. Well, you know, they're on the electrical drawing. So the electrical contractor he had them ordered. He had them in his price. And uh when you look at the architectural plans, and this is something that happens a lot, uh, and you know, there again this is where you kind of apply it to your own um, you know uh, apply it to your own business and, and discipline. Um the general contractor Did not see this because they weren't on the electrical drawing. So he went. He went around. He went around the uh, exterior of the building, and he installed his soffits, you know, wherever and whenever he he saw that they were on their uh, architectural drawings. And uh, you know, so when the electrical guy goes, "Hey, you gotta cut a hole for me," he's like, "I gotta cut a what?" They just stare at each other and go, "Okay, well, who's going to pay for this?" I got to have a guy. You know, it's like they don't happen by magic. I have to physically pay a guy to go out and cut holes for each one of these uh each one of these downlights one of these exterior can lights. And, you know, if you need access uh, to any other places, uh, you know, say you have an electrical conduit coming through the wall where you need to get access to temporarily to be able to kind of uh, wire these things, you know, that's additional holes. And it's, it's not only that, it's patching. It's, it's you know, there's access doors that, that might be involved. So there was this kind of this big discussion about exactly who you know, pays for all this and, and, you know, where it's going to go. And again, it's, it's like, you know, the, the electrical contractor says, you know, here's my set of drawings. I'm, I got my blinders on. I'm just looking at that general contractors doing the same thing. The electrical engineer and the architect didn't kind of cross coordinate and everybody kind of had their head down. If they only had shared, okay, Hey, I need to put these in ahead of time. It probably could have just gone away. It probably could have been handled, you know, as they're putting it up. They put in an extra hole. Not, not a big deal. They have a guy in, in there anyway. So, but after they had it installed, and you know, the electrical contractor was a little bit late. His, his fixtures got delayed, so he was a little bit late to the party, and he didn't bother coordinating that, that with the uh, the general contractor. And obviously you know the 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 uh, uh you know the, the construction manager the the owner's rep is is sitting there going, "Hey, the owner's not going to pay for it. you know it's on the drawings it's it's you know either the contractor's going to pay for it or the architect's going to pay for it, and typically you know th- these things, unless it's a serious issue, don't necessarily get escalated um, to have the architect pay for these things and go to a, like a or a, the engineer rather um either or." And have them go to some sort of errors and omission insurance. Uh, Most of the time it's going to be handled by the contractor, which, you know, there again, it's, is it fair? No, it it should have been coordinated before that. All right, let's move on to the next one. Here's one uh, where we had a uh, air handling unit that was put on the roof. And the the one end of the air handling unit, which, you know, it sometimes happens, uh, The basically with the one end of it is all sort of electrical connections, controls connections. And, you know, in the U.S., it has certain safety requirements. You have to be back a certain number of inches, you know, clear from these panels. So uh, really what... Uh, What needs to happen is that uh, you should actually show it on the drawings, really, as far as commissioning authority goes. I would say, hey, you know what, draw a dotted line showing the clearance from this. Um, so <laughs> I guess the one thing when you put a unit on a roof, the first thing that architects wants to do is cover it up. They say, you know, this is kind of blasphemous. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't, doesn't match with the architectural design or the, the feel of the building. Let's cover it up. You know, that's the first thing they got to do. Well, you know, they don't want to pay for extra, extra um, screen wall, so they want to make it as tight to the unit as possible. Well, in this case, we had a unit that it ended up being like, you know, 24 inches away from the screen wall. From the end of the unit So you had actually two problems that compounded each other One, you didn't have the access Couldn't swing open It would actually hit the screen wall So you couldn't open it up fully And the second thing was that You couldn't For the electrical disconnect um, The disconnect was actually on the side of the unit Which had enough space But you'd still have the the electrical uh, Feeder coming up In that end unit With only 24 inches And that's against code and everybody was saying, hey, you know what, we, we got to change it. I mean, that's one thing that I, when I was looking over the design, I flagged. Um, did it get picked up? It, it got picked up and it got talked about and it got talked about again. And the, the engineer, he thought that uh, the unit was actually the other way around, which, you know, if it was, it would have had a lot of space. But it, it, it didn't end up being that way. And a lot of times, you know, depending on your situations, you could end up the what, – what tends to happen is units, they don't necessarily get bigger in cross-section. Depending on the manufacturer that's specified uh, and what actually gets ordered, they actually kind of grow in length, grow and shrink in length depending on the sections and, and how big those sections are. So that can kind of be variable in your design. So you've got to be really hypercritical about exactly where that is, where the electrical, you know, disconnects are. And being able to safely access those, because obviously you know it this this is a safety issue uh the electrical you know the electrical um, uh inspector is not going to pass you know say oh you're good like you know you' you're just good um you know we're okay with twenty four inches because it is a safety issue um you know you have arc flash you're dealing with you know the the four eighty three phase um and so he wants to make sure that everybody that's working on this unit is you know properly safe, you know, per code. Uh, so, and and obviously, we couldn't move the screen wall, because, you know, that's something that gets set in place, you know, real quick. So, at least, you know, the one good good news about this story is that, uh, and it hasn't been resolved yet, I I'm currently working on it, but it hasn't been resolved yet, but at least, you know, the electrical connection has not been You know, fed into the unit. So if there's something that we're trying to get the electrical, here's what we're doing to kind of resolve it. We're trying to get the uh, electrical inspector as he is going through other inspections in the building to come take a look at it and to actually give us a uh, yay or nay or, you know, here, here's what I'd I'd like to see you do in this situation, because we still have some flexibility uh, to be able to solve this problem and have it uh, be resolved without any issues. So. Again, you know, that one does have some electrical or uh, HVAC relevance to it. But you can see that, um, you know, with accesses and and making sure that the clearances are right, uh, it it plays a a critical role. You just, you know, you're you're limited to the amount of space that you're given by the architect to begin with. You can't take that for granted and you can't just say, you know, oh, I got space to give when actually that's, you know, safety clearance for, uh, you know, some sort of electrical connection. All right. Next one, uh wall boxes. Wall boxes if you have uh say for instance if you have either a um uh, a building that's you know the internal uh spaces are made out of like uh uh concrete masonry units, the CMUs. Uh those tend to uh, when you're putting them up, uh they'll have obviously uh, because you know pretty much any building'll need you know outlets and wall switches. They'll need those uh, to be installed. You know in the concrete block. And here's more of a coordination issue than anything else. Because if you use those, uh, if you if you coordinate, um, you know between the two trades, um, you'll be able to get a, a better product. And uh, here's here's what I mean by that. Say for instance you're the mason, and what you do is you install block your you know your job is to install block where uh, it shows on the drawings and it's supposed to be you know straight and it's supposed to be plumb um and uh that's that's your job uh so you go and you go guns a and once you get the green light to to go uh you know throw down your block and to get that uh, those uh, erected you're not stopping for anybody and uh you know because obviously that's you know you're paid there you know to be uh, very efficient and, and, and get that block up. Well, if you put the block up and you didn't account for the fact that hey I need an outlet here and a uh, a switch here, um, those tend to be uh, you know you need to have you know uh, a metal box and a conduit coming out of the top of it at least to get it up into the uh, the plenum space into the ceiling. Uh, if you are a uh, electrical contractor and uh, you're caught flat footed. Uh, and you have to go kind of you know, put it in after the fact. You might be using some sort of flexible conduit, some Romex. Um, you know, I'll just say, I don't know if it's Greenfield, uh, but uh, you'll put put in some flexible conduit uh, because you really can't get, you know, a stick of pipe down, you know, that far into the wall for, say, a floor outlet or for a, um, a wall outlet that's low to the floor. So you're going to have to kind of retrofit that and you're going to end up busting up the block and it's all in all it's not going to be pretty but the fact is is that that if you coordinated and you prepped ahead of time with the mason to say hey you know what i have you know these uh outlets that are here here and here can you throw it in for me because you can actually pre-make the uh the the metal uh you know junction box the the um the box for the outlets with the uh uh pipe you know going up and that can actually set them in place for you as they're going up you know if that's if if you if if you work out you know a deal like that you can actually have them do that for you, and, and in a lot of cases, that makes a lot of sense because you get a cleaner installation, you get a, a better, better coordinated installation. You just have to be there to make sure that you know everything's getting coordinated correctly. Because you know, there again, if you if you tell them something wrong, they're gonna not gonna know any better uh, as far as because they're not electricians, but they will kind of as they uh, as you go along, they will fit things into their masonry as they they put them up. So that's another thing uh you know i i i say this and, and you know it's coordinated and it's things like that but really it's it's a it's a matter of construction and and that's one thing that you really don't have a good feel for especially you know being a, a younger engineer you don't know exactly what comes before what and how quickly things happen um you know just to kind of you know it it really is one of those things that it seems if you if you visit a job site it may seem that nothing happens for a long long time but when something gets green lighted where you know you can start putting up block you can start uh you know you know putting up the uh interior uh you know drywall once they get the green light These contractors go to town, and you do not have, you know, two seconds to waste if you want to get something coordinated because you really need to be on the ball. So it's just one of these kind of this, you know, speed to the next stoplight kind of things, uh, you know, with the contractors just to make sure that they, they get an area done and they get it out and they get it ready so they're not holding anybody up. So let's move on to the next one, floor boxes. This one was um uh, it's it's a little bit tricky it actually had more to do with uh technology but I kind of shoved it in here with electrical uh to begin with. Um just to you know start out the conversation by saying drilling holes in concrete floors is expensive. Uh you know, I mean it's not it's not prohibitively expensive, like, oh, my gosh, they never do it. But it it's expensive in the sense that, you know, if you have to drill an extra one, it really is, you know, it, it's a significant price. I mean, you know, I don't know what exactly what it would cost, but, you know, if I had to throw a number on it, might be $1,000 or something like that. But, you know, it, it is it is expensive to have somebody drill through a concrete floor. Um, well, I mean, not $1,000, but it's, it just seems anything in construction, what does it cost to change? Oh, it has to be at least $1,000. Sort of like a you know a running joke But putting something in the floor Is a very specific Very uh, demanding And a very exacting kind of thing um, So what happens if you get it wrong? What happens if you have a floor box That you ordered and it's one size And then it comes into the field And it's another size I mean essentially you have to redrill All these floor boxes and, you know, when it, depending on how many floor boxes you have uh, for these inlets and outlets, it could, it could vary uh, from job to job. But, you know, that was, that's exactly, you know, what happened uh, is that it was the design was designed around one specific floor box, and they got a different type of floor box. So they had some issues, and I think they had some scrambling around to do, and they finally got a floor box. But now they got one that fit in the hole. Uh, and there, were, there was also, you know, if you have floor-to-floor, you have some issues about fire stopping. You know, if you have, if that's uh, your type of construction, you have to be really aware of fire stopping and how that fire stopping is addressed in that floor box. Because, again, it's a hole through a penetration, and a lot of times that floor is a fire-rated assembly. So moving on to the next, next little bit. So now that you've got the floor box in and it's, it's appropriately fire stopped, uh, between levels, now you got to get the cabling in. So this became the next issue: getting the cabling in. Was there enough room in the box? Uh, was it too shallow? Was it deep enough? Um, another thing was is that okay if and and this was chocked full of uh, you know different you know data cables and 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 uh, power cables and things like that. Um, and each one had a number of outlets, so you could actually technically get everything to fit. Put it in, put it in place, but it's one of those things where the connections were angled, so you might not necessarily get all the different, you know, you couldn't plug everything in all at once. You might have to, you know, plug in just a couple of things. So you know there again it's it 's one of those things that has to be thought through. You ended up with uh, you know something and there was a, a a big discussion about you know exactly you know how you could make it fit and 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 how it would face and and what the orientation was and was it the right thing and and, and they went over and over again um, with this, and they finally got it resolved but you know there again it wasn 't cheap and it, it it was one of those things that you know as a contractor you don 't really get paid to sit around. And think about different solutions to problems that you have. You tend to have enough money in there to, you know, buy the parts that are specified on the drawings, put them in once, you know, test them, and you're good to go. That's, that's what you have money in there for. And then, you know, if, if that doesn't happen, if there's something that you say, well, you know, it's a means and methods, I'm just going to put it on the electrical engineer or the electrical contractor to figure it out. You know what? Sometimes that's not really fair. It's it's taking away from their bottom line. You're you're taking the easy way out uh, by putting generic notes on drawings um, and you know saying hey they're going to fix it in the field when it's something that you could have thought about just a little bit more and kind of maybe detailed out uh, and and you know and uh, been very critical because it's it's easy enough to say okay I'm going to put you know these ten outlets in this hole and put it on a plan note but if you don't if you can't do it in reality. Then you're kind of doing a, a disservice to you know your profession, and you're you're really trying to you know pull one over on the contractor if you don't have that thought through all the way. So just ask you know ask somebody if you have any questions about exactly you know the orientation, and can you actually plug everything in? Uh, because I know that that's been an issue. So uh, one more uh, for the for the record books. Uh, another one that I had, that, and this is this this always gets me, um, definite uh, definitely a classic. But it's about being rushed uh, for a job. Um, you're behind as an electrical contractor. You're trying to get you know caught up, and you need the electrical inspector to pass you. Otherwise, you're going to hold up a lot of other work. Um, and this happened on on one of one of the particular particular jobs. That the electrical contractor said, okay, I know that if the electrical inspector is gonna go around and he's gonna look up in the ceiling, he's gonna see uh, junction boxes open, that he's gonna flag it and he's not gonna pass me for an above the ceiling inspection. And if you didn't get the, you know, if you couldn't button up the ceiling, then the finishes couldn't go on. There's a ton of other work that you can, you know, uh, be held liable and responsible for. And this one, uh, if you do that, you know, when I say holding up work, that should equal back charges and delay claims uh, to you. That should send off some, some big you know, bells and whistles. Again, people, when they get the green light, they like to go, go, go. If somebody stops this train in the middle of their go, 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 they have to get paid because they have people that are just sitting around waiting to do work um, because you've already coordinated that. Um, and again, big money issues, A lot of a lot of angry people, a lot of, you know, unhappy uh unhappy contractors so you got to be able to make sure that 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 happens so what they did to solve this problem and solve i'll use loosely what they did uh to get past the inspection let's just put it that way is they covered up all the all, all the outlets and uh you know they, they they closed up all the junction box covers so everything looked right if you didn't open it up there wouldn't be a problem and you know what The inspector went through, he thought it looked fine, you know, and he passed them. And so, you know what? The train kept going. Nobody got nobody got delay claims, nobody got back charged. They kept going. Fast forward to the end of the job. What happened, you might ask? Well, we'd go into a room and we'd be like, Where are the outlets? We'd look around at the uh, the wall, and we'd look at the, at the drawing, and we go, "You know what? There's supposed to be four outlets in this room, one on each wall. There are only two. What happened?" Well, I tell you what happened. The drywall guy, uh, the electrical contractor, never coordinated with the drywall guy, and the holes never got cut for the outlet boxes. Yeah, there were conduit in the wall, but there wasn't you know there wasn't any spot. Uh, to cut the junction or the uh, the, the boxes for. Um, also, we'd go through and we, you know, plug in our outlet testers, and uh, there'd be no power. We were like, "Is the circuit not on?" No, everything at the panel is turned on. Come to find out, guess what? You know, they closed up all those junction boxes in the ceilings. They didn't have any wiring in them. So they had to go back through and basically you know rewire, reconnect, finish their work after the fact, and you know it it probably took them ten times as long to finish their work as to actually get it done in the first place, but you know that 's all on the electrical contractor that actually had nothing to do with anybody else except for the electrical contractor so the lessons learned there is, hey, you know what, if you have somebody that's behind pay especially close attention to those contractors um there's more than likely going to be a situation where uh they didn't do the right thing or they were trying to cut a short you know take a shortcut or somebody forgot the coordination um you'd get up i mean because ultimately the work is directed by a project manager and when the project manager gets stressed and he you know he can get forgetful you know and if he's not you know kind of a Uh, An A team kind of guy, you know, if he's not the best that the contractors have, and you end up with a a B team or a C team player, uh, you could end up with some uh, pretty substantial problems. And that's really, you know, what uh, you know what you want to avoid. Uh, But just be aware of that situation, you know. And it goes pretty much for every contractors, you know, if they're rushed, the chances of getting less than professional work is much much higher. All right, so that is it for this week. I just wanted to uh, get a podcast out and, and let you know and uh, share that information with you. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed it. If you know somebody electrically, uh, maybe you're going to share these stories with them as well. Go ahead. You know, If not, hey, I always encourage cross-training because, again, like I said in the opening of the show, it's one of those things where you, know, you can learn about it and apply it to your own job. So great things to do. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks to the BCAA, the Building Commissioning Association, for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, If you like the episode, the best thing you can do is pass it along. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, You're the top 3%, as I've said many times. Those people who are trying to continually improve themselves and listen to great content, and hopefully that's exactly what you're listening to right now. I appreciate some of the feedback. If you want to give me feedback or if you like what you hear or you didn't like what you hear or you disagree with what I hear, uh, what you hear, uh, please you know, drop me a line. Uh, you can reach me at matt at buildingx.co uh, if you want, and uh, I really appreciate it. Anybody who's willing to leave a uh, iTunes review, uh, five-star review or something, uh, you know, uh, uh, review me in iTunes, uh, I'd really appreciate that, I, uh, and I'll give you a shout-out uh, when I see it. So, uh, also, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, it's at BuildingX. I infrequently Twitter, but I, uh, I do get an occasional tweet out. And uh, if you want to f- uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, I'd love to connect with you as well. Uh, that's at Matt Nelson, P E, on LinkedIn. So, remember, until next time, know what you build and share what you know.